As we come now to the scripture, let me ask you please to pray with me. Father in heaven, uh, we come now to your word and I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted just another week opening the Bible again, but that we would recognize what we have before us being the very word of God. So I pray that when we hear it, we'll receive it just like that. We'll receive it as the word of God. We'll attend to it. And I pray more than even our attending to it, that you will work through it in such a way that it will perform its perfect function in us. We trust to bring us grace that we may go from this place with joy. And so, Father, I pray that you would work your word um, in us. Bring grace to us, I pray. Prepare us even to receive at your table on this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn, please, to 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, please. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. I want to read verses 7 through 18. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, please. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. We are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who's approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Now, I want, if God will help me, to, to, to focus really on those last two verses. We'll go back in a bit. But, but, but just, just for clarity, listen again. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it's not the one who commends himself who is, who is approved, but the one whom the Lord uh, commends. Verse 17, we'll see is Paul's final defense, at least in this section, to his critics who are boasting in themselves. So that's going to be his, his final word about that, at least, as I say, in this section. And it should be our final word, too. When he says that we boast only in the Lord, that should be true uh, for us as well. It's important for us to know that as it was important for them to know that for all ministers, for all churches, uh, for all believers, uh, really. And then, and then the second verse in that sequence, verse 18, uh, tells us that the only commendation, the only approval that's worth anything at all 
is the commendation and the approval of the Lord. That goes especially, Paul would say, for their and his own ministry and for ours too, as believers in Jesus who serve him and certainly for us as a church. The only commendation, the only approval that's worth anything, that's necessary, that's really important, that matters is the approval of the Lord. Now the question is, what brings Paul to this statement? Everything's out of context, so you know this. I'm going to tell you things you already know if you've been around a while, uh, around here a while as we've been going through this. But 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 you you know the context. You know there's a group of people who've come probably from Jerusalem into Corinth after Paul left, and they're criticizing him so that they can take his place among the people in Corinth as the authority, as even the apostles, if you will, in that. In that sense. And so, so, so Paul's in 2 Corinthians very much making a defense of, of his own apostleship, which is embarrassing to him, frankly, as you read this. Uh, he doesn't really want to do this, uh, but, he, but he feels like he has to. Not for ego's sense. He doesn't really care about that. He never cared about anybody coming in after him and taking up where he left off and teaching people more about Jesus. Uh, that was never troubling to Paul at all. Uh, he, he, he liked when that happened. But this group seems to be coming in in such a way of criticizing Paul, taking his place and really being imposters and leading people astray, away from the gospel that Paul had laid out. And so now he has to come and and defend himself that this gospel that he preached was really the gospel of of Jesus. They they seem to be saying, if you'll notice there in uh, the end of verse 7, uh, he says, if anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. I mean, that sounds funny for us to hear the apostle say, now, okay, you might believe in Jesus, but but I do too. And you might be called to do uh, ministry in the name of Christ, but me too, uh, because we know him as the apostle. But clearly they were saying that in some sense, they were of Christ. They were called of Christ, these imposters, and Paul wasn't. And he, he said, no, 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 I really am. I really am. Um, they had credentials, and we've talked about their credentials. They had letters of reference from, from themselves and from others like them. They were eloquent in speech. Um, they got paid for doing what they did, paid well, it appears, for doing what they did. That was a, an affirmation that to, to, for them to be able to say, look, people are willing to pay us uh, to do this. Um, that they had ecstatic uh, experiences that they shared seemingly pretty openly about visions and dreams and, and so forth and words from the Lord and, and all of that. And uh, um, they were well-liked. Uh, everywhere they, they went, they seemed to, be well, seemed to be well-received by people. In contrast, they would say to Paul, look at him. He's not eloquent at all when he speaks. He never takes any money. Somebody who doesn't take any money for what they do can't be worth much. Uh, uh, he's always making waves everywhere he goes. He's in trouble with people. Unlike us, we, we don't at all. People like us. People respect us. People, people come to us. But, but with Paul, when, when he shows up, there's riots that take place and all of that. Look at how much he's persecuted and, 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 and suffers. And, and he never talks, really, about these ecstatic experiences and visions and dreams and all of that. Now, he will later... Chapter 12, but you'll see it in a veiled kind of way. And he only does it to say, you know, I've done this too. But it's not important to him to, to put that out. All that's important for him is to, to speak of Christ. 
And for them, that just isn't enough. In fact, not only that, they say Paul's inconsistent. You know, he's one person when he's writing a letter. He's another person when he shows up. And, and it's kind of like meeting somebody over email, I suppose, or some website, right? You, 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 they, they put the, you meet, then you meet them in person and you go, ah. And that's sort of the way it was with Paul. And Paul said, no, that's not true. I'm the same guy. If I need to be to, to, to say a hard word in person, I say a hard word in person. If, if I need to, 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 to be gentle in the letter, I am gentle in the letter. I'm the same person. It's, it's, all really, it's all really me. And Paul essentially says to them, we don't really need letters of commendation. You're our letter. What happened among you? Aren't we the ones who came to you? Aren't we the ones who left where we were and we were the first to come to you and to bring you this gospel? And now you're turning away from not only us, but that gospel. And so, so, so really think about this for a minute. We built you up. What's happening now with the new ones who've come? They're tearing down. They're destroying everything that was, everything that was built. That's why he begins this section by saying, look at what's before your eyes. In other words, look at the facts. Look at what is really true here. They, have letters of commendation from themselves. That's foolish. You know, if the only picture you ever look at is your own, and you compare yourself with that, you'll always measure up. Paul said, well, that's, that's foolish what they're doing. You'll come to the point of his commendation. His approval is from God. And that's really all that all that matters. So Paul works all the way all the way through that, but in verse 17 he comes and he said, but here's the final one. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Paul saying they're boasting in themselves. They're taking confidence in themselves, their own wisdom, their own strength, their own cleverness and all of that. And Paul saying, no, 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 no. No one can do that. I can't do that. And I won't do that. I won't boast in myself. I'll only Boast in the Lord. You see, the cross of Jesus, we always need to keep this before us. We know this, but keep it before us. The cross of Jesus excludes any self-boasting. The cross of Jesus excludes any boasting in oneself. Most especially before God and his people turn. I'm going to go through just some passages of scripture today. Just to make sure we're grounded in this. Um, so if you have a Bible turn, if you have one of those little things that has a screen that lights up, then do whatever you need to do to find Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. Romans three twenty-one. Um, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is, we were created to glorify him, to reflect him. And Paul is saying we've all missed this, missed that every single one of us. Right. Um, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, justified, declared, pardoned by God for our sin of falling short of his glory, how he made us to be, to reflect him, and are justified by his grace as a gift 
through the redemption, that is the cross, we purchased us, through the redemption, how Jesus paid for our sins, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, Jesus' blood, satisfied, extinguished, the wrath of God against us, paid for our sins completely, uh, to be received by faith, not by anything we did, but simply by turning away from ourselves and saying, he did it. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God can be morally just that is not sweeping sin under the rug and ignoring it. He can be morally just and at the same time declare righteous sinners. How can he do that? Well, because of what Jesus did. He took it. So then Paul says, well, that's the case. Verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. How can I look in the mirror and say, way to go, Bill? Right? I can't do that. I can only look in the mirror and say, way to go, Jesus. He did it. I'm going to take confidence. I'm going to boast in anyone. I'm going to go out and say, I'm going to tell you about someone who's really great. I won't tell you about me. I'll tell you about Jesus. That's his, his point there. Abraham can't even boast. If you flip over, and I won't read this, but in, in Romans chapter 4, and verse, verse 2, I will read this. He said, if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Why? Because the scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. Abraham wasn't righteous. So even Abraham can't boast. And when you have a Jewish man writing about anybody and he uses Abraham, you know, he's, he's really, he's, he's, he's taking it from the top there. Abraham was, if it's Abraham or Moses or Elijah, you know you've got somebody. And he says, if Abraham can't do this, we can't either. Right? If anybody could, it would be him, but he can't. Because he was a sinner too, unrighteous too, and yet God took him. And declared him to be righteous. And because he believed. And that was. That was it of course. And then in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Not 2. 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. Verse 29. Come on. Come on. There you go. There's electronic things that a beep or something. So we know. Or maybe you can get the kind that you can. Make the noise. The noise is great. Right? But uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 28. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And, and that's a favor. That's grace to us that... It's the only way God could have done it, obviously, because he did it that way. But, 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 but boasting before God is not only foolish, but dangerous. Right? Boasting before God is not only foolish, but it's dangerous. To stand before God and say, I'm all that. It's a dangerous thing. It would lead to judgment. And so he says, if you look around, how has anyone really come to, 
to be accepted by me. It's only by way of faith, which means turning away from yourself and turning to God, abandoning self-boasting and really boasting so that no one can, can boast. Verse 30, and because of him, that's because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. And so the only way that you've come to, to even be united with Jesus and receive all his benefits is because of what God has done. You can't even boast in, in putting yourself in Jesus. God did that. And because of him, you're in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. He was, he was truth. Uh, not our truth, but his righteousness. It was his right way and his merit. And sanctification to set us apart and purify us before God. And redemption to buy us back so that we belong to Jesus. So that, as it's written, this seems to be a common theme this morning out of Jeremiah. Let no one boast, uh, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, we take our confidence in him. He's the great one. He's the one we talk about, uh, not about ourselves. Uh, Ephesians, quickly, and chapter 2. And verse 9. Well, let me start with verse 8. You know this. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this, not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know this passage of Ephesians 2, if you don't catch it in the first uh, verse of chapter 2. But it begins by talking about our sinful condition. That we're dead in our trespasses and sins before God were condemned by him. And that by nature we fall under his wrath and judgment justly. So, so what happens? I mean, what changes any of that? Well, it's not what we did or we could boast in that. It's what he did. And so the, the turning point of this passage is the little expression, but God, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive together with him. Uh, so it's something God did. And so we can't boast about it. It's something he did, not just dying for us, but even enabling us to believe. So it's all, of course, in him. And then finally, this one, Galatians. This is only the tip of the iceberg. We could spend all day doing this. It's just one to spend all day doing this when you get a chance. It's, it's, it's a great thing. Galatians, to your left, chapter 6, and verse 14. Paul writes this, But far be it from me, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and died to the world. And so Paul says, far be it from me. He says, I would never, how could I ever boast in anything but Jesus? How could I boast in anything but, but the cross? There's no boasting, you see, uh, in in ourselves for our own, our own salvation. 
And again, we think about that and we think about the great freedom that that brings to us. We're free from guilt. We're, we're free from having to because we know we can't. And so even though we try and we try and we try, we know that we can't please God and, and be righteous, be acceptable in his sight. And so, so how could that ever be? It's only through and by way of Jesus, his life, his righteousness for us, his death to bring forgiveness of our sins. And so Paul's saying, listen, you only, you only boast in Jesus, certainly for your salvation, but also in the context of your ministry. For, for the church, for the context of the life of the church, we can only boast if anyone comes to faith, if anyone grows in their faith, if, if our church reaches out and helps anyone and they give thanks to Jesus, we can't say, we're great. Wow. Let's, you know, we can only boast. We can only boast in the Lord. We're going to say, look what he did. So back again, 1 Corinthians. Get back there. 1 Corinthians and chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is Paul. This is how he understands his ministry among them. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, and, uh, and chapter 2. And verse 1. And when I came, uh, and I, when I came to you, brothers, didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, that was it. Paul said, please understand what's happened here. Understand what happened when I came. Because you can only imagine, here's a group of people, and this man from, from, from somewhere else comes in and tells them about Jesus, and everything changes. It changes their whole life. And, and, and wouldn't you think that someone might say, thanks, Paul, and he would probably say, well, you're welcome, it was my pleasure to come, but please understand what's happened here. It wasn't me. Look back. I'm not all that smart. I, I didn't use clever words. I didn't trick you into any way. I, 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 didn't, I didn't use persuasiveness or any kind of tricks to, to kind of emotionally sabotage you and emotionally grab you. I, I, just, I just laid it out. I, I laid out an event that took place on this man Jesus coming and dying and rising again. And, and with just that, Everything changed in your life. You can thank me. It's been my pleasure. But don't boast in me. And I'm not going to boast in me. You know, I came here to say down below with spiritual words. That doesn't mean they were funny sounding. <laughs> it just meant they were words that the Holy Spirit took and used in such a way. Normal words used Probably the word life and death and Jesus and crucifixion and resurrection and all of those kinds of words that we use all the time. Uh, but he says they were spiritual words because the Holy Spirit took them and used them in such a way that changed everything about you. So boast, he would say, then uh, boast in the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, What then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who 
waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you're God's field, God's building. In other words, again, give thanks to God for what has taken place in all of this. And then later in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul's talking about, again, his own, his own life and ministry. And here's how he speaks of it in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me wasn't in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that's with me. And see, even then, the grace of God animated me. It caused me to work hard. It caused me to come here. It caused me to labor among you in such a way uh, that, that, that you'd be blessed by this word. So again, don't boast in me. Boast in the Lord. He wasn't boasting in himself. He said it was the grace of God uh, that was... That was in me. And then 2 Corinthians and, and, um, and chapter 2 and, and verse 16. Uh, Paul, after explaining what it is to be not simply a believer, but also an apostle, a minister of the gospel. In verse 16, he asks this question. He says, who is sufficient for these things? I mean, what we're supposed to do is come into a place and change people's lives in such a way that they're now united to God through Jesus Christ. And you have to understand, when we start out, they're dead to him. They're antagonistic towards him. They're, 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 they're not inclined to believe in him. And, 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 and we're supposed to, to smell like Jesus. We're supposed to be the smell of, of life to those who are being saved, and the smell of death to those who are perishing. Who can do that? Right? And so later, in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, verse 4, he says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we're sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not the letter, not of the letter, but the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In fact, Paul would refer to him in chapter 4 and verse 7 in, a, in this very common way that we know. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He says, what's really important here is the treasure. We have it. But understand, we're just common, ordinary cups. You know, we're like the paper cup you pull out and drink and throw it away. I mean, that's who we are, right? We're, it's not about us. It's about the treasure, you see, that is, that is in us. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, Paul's talking about life and death. And he says, yes, we have good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim, you see, uh, to please him. That's what it's about. We make our aim, really, to please him, not to please ourselves. In fact, if you turn over to chapter 9 and verse 8, something we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we realize it really is all of God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so Paul would say that's what's happened. You see, it's simply, it's simply God who is at work really within us. We use spiritual words, chapter 10. He says that we use powerful uh, words. He says so much so 
that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Paul says, it isn't us, it's, it's these weapons that we have. These are powerful weapons. He says, we have the word of God, we have prayer. These are powerful weapons. These, in and of themselves, by the Holy Spirit, are powerful to change people's lives. We're as amazed as you are. And so you see, none of us can boast before the Lord. It's great freedom in our personal life, yeah, free from guilt, free from having to gain the approval of God because he gives it as a gift through Jesus and that by faith, but also frees us up in ministry. This isn't true. There is no way that we can be who we are. If it isn't true that that God isn't at work by way of his word and spirit, then we might as well close our doors for we don't have anything at all in and of ourselves, that can change the heart of a person. And so while we love being the church, and I hope you love being part of this church, but we love being the church. We don't walk around beating our chests and saying, we're awesome. We worship not ourselves, but God. And I hope that we walk around saying, God is awesome. God is great. Look at what he can do. Look at what he has done. And so if anybody ever comes among us commending themselves and boasting in themselves, you go, no, 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 no. It's about him, who he is, and what he's done. And it's so free. It's so free as as a parent, to trust God with your children, with our children, to say, I get it. Karen and I, as many of you know, are terribly reluctant to ever talk about child rearing. (laughs) And uh, it freaks us out. Because yes, there's good ways and bad ways and good principles and bad principles and, and all of that. But I haven't any idea other than the fact that God is at work in the lives of our children, why they've turned out as they've turned out. I mean, I just, you know, I, I just am grateful. Now these grandchildren coming along, and I gotta tell you, it scares me to death. You'd think I'd be more trusting. <laughs> so I need to hear this. I need to hear that, no, it's, it's God who will be at work in these little boogers' lives. It's God that will do this. And I hold these little grandchildren and I, I think about that. What's their life going to be? And I walk around the church and I see the lives of the children here. What's their lives in this world going to be? And I realize our personal bankruptcy to help them at all. Unless... By God's word and spirit, he works in them. And so at the end of the day, we boast in him. And there's tremendous freedom 
in that as we share with our friends, as we share with our spouses, as we share with our parents, as we share in our neighborhoods, as we take the gospel to the world. As we do that, this is our hope. We, we don't boast in our own techniques, our own cleverness in any of that. We boast in the Lord for what he has done and we pray will do. And then quickly, uh, Paul says, verse 18, for it's not the one who commends himself is approved, but the one whom the Lord uh, commends. And, and that's, that's, that's the point Paul has made all along. He says, he says in, in a sense, I don't care what you think of me. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please the Lord. That's, my, that's what drives me, you see. For instance, in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 5, ver, uh, ver, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, This is how we should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. So Paul wants to be faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself. Uh, I always underline that saying, oh, I wish that were true of me. Uh, I'm aware of a ton of stuff. But anyway, Paul says, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. Just because I think I'm fine doesn't mean I'm fine. Right? It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, don't pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light those things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation uh, from the Lord. And, and Galatians in chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul puts it like this. He says, for I am now uh, uh, seeking, for, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. So Paul is saying the only commendation, the only approval that really matters is Christ's. I'm his servant. And because I'm his servant, I'm yours. But I'm his servant first, then yours, not yours first. I'm serving you because I serve him. And all that matters is at the end of the day, he's, he's pleased. And so in 2 Corinthians and, and uh, chapter 8, a verse I read a few moments ago, and, and uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5 and verse Nine. So whether we're home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's his point. And then in uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, later in that chapter, verse 14. I always refer to this as the Mark Malcolmary verse. Sorry, Mark. Mark's here to do. You, many of you know Mark. He's here. He came to do our, our college retreat this weekend. But I, this is the verse that when I read this, Mark, I always hear you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. Paul said, listen, all that matters really at the end of the day is that we please him. And we desire to please him, not to gain his approval. We have it because of Jesus. But to gain this commendation for him at the end of the day to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
You remember that parable of Jesus, and we'll get there, but it's in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. But you remember that parable of Jesus. He said there was a, a master who gave talents to three different people. Uh, a talent isn't a skill, it's a measurement of wealth. And so he gave some money to them. And so um, he gave one five, another two, another one, and, and, and he left. And you remember what happened, the one who had five invested it in such a way it became ten. The one who had two invested it in such a way the two became four. And, and then the one who uh, uh, had one uh, was afraid of his master, thought his master was harsh, and he buried it. And so he only had one. And you know what happened? The master came back. He was displeased with that one who did nothing. But the others, he said to them, Gave them two rewards, really. One was that he doubled their responsibility, uh, gave them more than before. But he said, now enter into your master's happiness. Enter into your master's joy. He said, there's, there's joy here. There's joy. Now, the only way there could be joy in pleasing the master is if you love the master. That you're pleased, that he's pleased, that you're joyful, that he's joyful. And that's the way Paul is. He desires to please the Lord because he loves the joy of the Lord. And he loves the Lord to be pleased. And it pleases him and brings him joy. So Paul knows that. So like Jeremiah, which we've been kind of echoing all morning, we read it in our, our, our reading this morning, uh, so it's in your bulletin, so you can, you can take it home. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight. The delight of the Lord is that we know that he's a God of steadfast love. He's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness uh, in all the earth. You see, these other ones, they compared themselves to themselves. And thus they boasted in themselves. They lived to please themselves. That was their standard. Paul compared himself to Jesus and realized he was lacking. Except that Jesus would fill him and Jesus would complete him. And all Paul brought to the table was his sin and Jesus brought his blood. All Paul brought to the table was his rebellion and Jesus brought his righteousness. All Paul brought to the table was weakness and brokenness. And Jesus brought strength and wholeness. So Paul would look in the mirror and say, it's because of the grace of God that I am who I am. So those are the questions, I think, for us, right? In whom do I boast? And whom do I really desire to please? Well, the night that Jesus was 
betrayed and he was with his disciples, he took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, he took the cup. And again, after giving thanks, this too he gave to his disciples and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And the apostle adds, as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we declare the Lord's death until he comes. So so what are we doing when we declare the Lord's death until he comes? We're boasting in him. We're saying, look, can't you see? Look at what he's done. And, And when we do that, you see, all the attention's away from ourselves, both personally and and corporately. Uh, There's no attention on me right now just saying these words. I didn't die for you, right? I couldn't, wouldn't, probably, right? Uh, It would matter. It doesn't matter if I commend you. It doesn't matter if I receive you, if I approve you. All that matters is God. And, and here it is. He says, boast in me. <laughs> boast in me. Turn away from yourself. Boast in me. Take confidence in me. Receive forgiveness. Receive righteousness. Receive strength. Receive my spirit. And what you'll find is that everything changes that along and along, increasingly, hmm, you really embrace the fact that you're loved by me. And that you'll find that living to please me is all that satisfies. Let's pray. Father, pray for me, for us, that We'll take this bread and this juice and set it apart in such a way that we'll know that we're in the presence of Jesus. And as we know we are in the presence of Jesus, that we'll think of him. And when we think of him, that we'll boast in him, even as we're coming to this table. In fact, that our coming will be our boast in him, that we're saying, yes, I've turned away from any confidence in my own goodness, any confidence in my own spiritual wisdom or strength. And I trust in Christ alone. And then even as we do that and receive, I pray you'll work in us, God, in such a way that we'll no longer desire the applause of men, but we'll live in joy to hear you say well done I pray that be true for us as individuals I pray that be true for us as a church please now I pray call us to your table meet us here grant your grace Lord Jesus
In Jesus' name.